0: is going to be pre- uh, teaching about uh, wisdom books. So that will be kind of like a study companion for our faith and science series. And I hope that you can join us at five o'clock. We're going to be meeting right across from here at 3501 West Alabama. So that's the perfect class to learn about the ways, uh, the wisdom books, and uh, a little bit about faith and science. So anyway, so like Brianna's going to lead us in time of offering. All right. At this time, I'm just going to go ahead and ask our ushers and our hospitality team to come forward for the offering, and i just like to pray for us before we do that. Father, we thank you so much just for what you're doing. Father, we can't believe that we get to be a part of it. I just pray that you would bless this offering, Father. I pray that you would just open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Father, we thank you so much for moving in this church, and I just pray that you would continue to lay vision and that we would continue to follow you. Father, we love you. We praise you. And it is in your son's name we pray, amen. So I should have introduced myself earlier. Well, Pastor Eric is not here with us today. And you know, like, uh, we are talking about faith and science right now in our congregation. And he assigned me the topic of miracles. And uh, it's very convenient of Pastor Eric to give me the hardest topic to preach on this series. I'm pretty mad at him. So let's start with a word of prayer uh, to get uh, going on this um, sermon about miracles. Please join me. God... We are here before you with gratitude in our hearts for the opportunity that you're giving us, God, to learn from your word, to learn about the things that will help us to be better disciples, to help us understand more about your purpose for our lives, God. And we pray in these moments, God, that you will help us to learn about miracles, to learn about the ways in which you intervene in creation, God, and you have been doing that since the beginning of creation, and to help us learn about the ways in which we can become more faithful to that word and to your son, God. We pray in your precious name, and thank you for this opportunity of being together. Amen. So... As we begin our message today, I want us to focus on two questions. And these two questions are important uh, because, first of all, we need to learn if miracles are real. A lot of times we hear about miracles here and miracles there, and it's hard to distinguish which are real and which are not. And the second question that I want us to focus on is Does God still do miracles in our day and age? Are those things still happening? Or are those just accounts of miracles that, you know, happened in the Old Testament and even during the Gospels, but today things are different. So we're going to discover that today. And uh, those are hard questions for me to answer considering my own religious background, I have to confess. I, uh, you know, I, am, I have a very inquisitive mind and I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So it was an interesting mix of, you know, having a certain set of religious practices combined to where I come from and, you know, in the way that I want to learn more about the world, more about things. And I want to discover science. I want to discover, you know, all kinds of uh, disciplines, psychology, sociology. I've always been very thirsty about those things. So I while back You know, uh, I remember that Eric and I were sitting on a television, uh, in front of the television screen, like, you know, we're just kind of resting on a Saturday afternoon, and that was one of the times whenever we, uh, it triggered us wanting to disconnect cable once and for all. So that afternoon, as we're flipping channels, uh, we heard uh, that, you know, we went through one of those uh, Hispanic news channels, and there was this story that said, Mexican woman finds uh, Jesus imprinted in the front of a tortilla, and it's like this is a miracle. So we were like, "Really? Uh, okay." You know, and it would have been okay if they would have just stopped at that, you know. But no, it was like, and thousands of faithful are going to her house to worship Jesus in the tortilla. Um, so you know. That kind of started triggering something in us, and we were like, okay, well, we'll give it one more chance. Next Saturday, we're sitting in front of the television again, you know, like trying to rest, and suddenly this story, like we're flipping through the channels, and all of you have gone through those channels in which there's always a televangelist going on and, you know, talking about the miracles that he's performing and stuff like that. Well, we uh, came across this one specific show, and this guy, you know, comes to the front, and he wants to be prayed for, and... Uh, You know the 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 televangelist asks him, and he goes, "So what do you want to pray for?" And the guy's like, "Well, I've been hurting in my back, and I'm also, you know, going through something very hard." And I'm like, you know, something is going in me, like, "Oh, this is not good." appeared as though this person was trying to manipulate somebody who's going through something very hard, you know, trying to get them to have some kind of transcendent experience in front of a thousand people. And this guy is just kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So like the guy's like, well, we're going to pray for you today and a miracle is going to happen. I know a miracle's coming. And the guy is kind of standing there and the preacher starts putting his hand on his forehead and saying, you know, I, I, today, you're going to be healed, and blah, blah. And the guy, since he's kind of new to the whole thing, he doesn't know that once the preacher puts his hand in there, he's supposed to fall. So he's not falling. And so they call for reinforcements, you know, like, so two other guys come and they start pressing on the guy, too. You know, after a while, you have three people pressing on you, chances are you will fall. So he kind of fell. So he's on the floor, and, you know, like, all of the other people that are around him are kind of convulsing, but he's not. He's just kind of there, and he's, like, opening his eyes. You could tell, and so he gets up, and I don't think, like, so the guy sees that he got up, and he comes to him. is like, running to him to save the moment and asks him, so what about, like, so did you feel it? Did you understand the miracle that just happened to you? And the guy's like, I guess. Yeah, I guess I feel a little better. Um, but, you know, like... <laughs> The way in which this was presented kind of made me queasy. It made me, you know, if if you've ever witnessed something like that in relation to the word miracle, it makes you feel like you might not really be real, right? It makes you feel like uncomfortable about what you're watching. It makes you feel as though you are being fed something that's actually not true. I found myself in a similar situation growing up. You know, I grew up, like I just said, I grew up Pentecostal. I uh, was in this congrega- very large congregation, and the women's group in that congregation, which was a very large group of ladies, at one point became super concerned about me. I mean, because according to them, I you know I was a Christian, but like I wasn't really a true Christian because the sign of a true Christian for them was when somebody finally spoke in tongues. And, you know, I wasn't speaking in tongues, and I... They were really concerned. So they decided to do a little intervention on me one Sunday while I was at church. Um, So, you know, like I got done taking communion. I was really happy. Happy kid, a 14-year-old. I go to the front. I kneel down on the altar. And I'm praying, you know, like a typical 14-year-old would pray. You know, like, God, bless my mom, my dad, my sister. God, I'm really dealing with temptation. That boy over there is so cute. Why did you make him so cute, God. You know, like having a typical 14-year-old prayer, and then suddenly I feel 20 hands on my head, and I'm like, "What is? This? Something went wrong here." So, like, I kind of peek, and all these ladies are doing an intervention to me. They're praying that God can finally make me a true Christian by giving me the gift of tongues and making a doing a miracle in my life. And I was like, "Okay, this is how do I get out from under here?" I mean, it was really like so many people on me. I cannot explain how many people were there. So, like, I'm kneeling down. There's no way out. I had opened my eyes. I'm like, I could squirm down my way. No, there was no way of getting out. So, I'm like, you know, I had the most heartfelt prayer that I've ever had in my entire life at that moment. So, basically, I'm, I'm have my, finally, it's like, I give up. I'm still start praying. And I, you know, in my prayer, I'm like, you know, God, I love you with my whole heart. I mean, you know, God, I, I, I'm one of those kids. That really, I really love you. I I believe in the things that you do. I believe in your miracles. I believe in, um, you know, a lot of the stories that are in the Bible that are just actually, I believe they happen. I believe it all. I've seen people get healed, God. I've seen, uh, you know, I, I actually do believe in the gift of tongues. I think some people have it. It's really weird, God. It's really weird. But I believe in it. So I'm praying, and I'm like, but like in this moment... Either you are going to have to make me speak in tongues, for reals, or you're going to have to help me get out of here. So, so at that very moment, a brilliant idea came to my head. So I start uttering words in French and in, in Portuguese and English. So like I'm like uttering all these words. And I'm feeling so grateful for the wisdom that God gave my parents to pay for those lessons. I mean, that was... <laughs> It's like thank you lord. And suddenly the ladies just like just like the crowd in that you know close to that televangelist as soon as that guy got up and the guys like oh I guess I feel better it's just in the same way these ladies are like thank you god thank you finally she's she has the gift of tongues it's, but little do they know right I mean, know what a little english can do for your life um, so, we've all had that moment in which we felt manipulated, in which we felt misled about what miracles really are. And I, I think it's time that we get a more biblical perspective on what miracles are. And I love what um, pastor and theologian Timothy Keller says about this. He says, Miracles lead not simply to cognitive belief, but to worship, to awe and wonder. Jesus used miracles to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, and raise the dead. Not for the suspension of natural order, but for the restoration of natural order. In a similar fashion, C.S. Lewis explains that miracles are the footprints of God's supernatural presence in the natural world. And that we shouldn't try to attempt to explain miracles or God's supernatural presence through the laws of nature that we know and understand now. Because God proceeds and God exceeds all of, cre- all of creation. You know, and there are 37, 37 accounts of Jesus' miracles in the gospel. You know, there's no way that we can go through all of this Passages. But one thing that we can do is to take some, you know, for today, I'm going to take some key words that we can find here, and it kind of, you know, recognizes what Keller is saying, because a lot of these words point to a creator, to a savior that's trying to restore the natural order. We find words like, you know, phrases like Jesus cures, Jesus heals, Jesus raises from the dead, Jesus restores, Jesus opens the eyes of the blind, Jesus feeds, Jesus resurrects. So for today's passage, we're going to focus on one of these miracles, Jesus feeds, it's Matthew 14, verses 13 and 21. So if you have your Bibles, just open in that passage. Matthew 14, 13 to 21. This is what the scripture says. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore... He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured the sick. In the evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Today, I want us to begin by focusing on the disciples. And we, as we're talking about the disciples, I want us to remember that we're still very young. Very new to the faith, very new to the movement that Jesus was trying to start. You know, they seem eager to learn. They're actually, at some points during this, this, uh, this miracle account and other miracle accounts, they seem excited about all the, the things that Jesus is trying to do. But uh, they also became, be, always become very easily intimidated, very easily afraid. Uh, and in this specific uh, account, they become afraid of the crowd. They think, you know, they're going you know, to they're, they're be getting hungry soon. What are we going to do? So they focus on the things that they can see, that they can touch, that they can hear. They they, they focus on the things that are right in front of them. And they completely forget that they are not alone. They completely forget that Jesus is there with them. And that because Jesus is there with them, things cannot remain the same. Things are different. Things will never be the same. So Jesus performs a miracle in front of them, even though he gets frustrated at one point. He says, why don't you feed them? But then he's like, you know, never mind. I'm going to go ahead and do this. So he does the miracle. He, He does it, but he does it to help them understand that, to help the disciples understand that now that he's there, nor them, nor the crowds need to remain hungry or sick because Jesus' supernatural presence can satisfy their hunger, hunger. and also Jesus' presence can restore their brokenness. You know, it takes the disciples a long time to get on to this. As a matter of fact, like we have a very, very long list of miracles that Jesus performed. And it seems that it's natural for them to always revert to where they were, they always want to go back to where they came from. They always go, want to go back to the things they, only to the things they understand, only to the things they can touch, only things that, to the things they can see, to the things that they can hear. It's hard for them to understand, to grasp the new thing that Jesus is trying to do. So I think that what they missed and what they understood later on during their walk, their walk of faith, is that the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed is the transformation of their own hearts. They went from this kind of silly, stubborn disciples into becoming just powerful men of faith. They went from these uh, disciples that got afraid at every little thing to becoming Miracle performers themselves. There are so many accounts of the things that the disciples did that changed the lives of many. And that spread the news of the gospel throughout many different places. And the most powerful thing is that a lot of them even decided to sacrifice their own lives for the sake of the gospel. So the transformation of their hearts was one of the most miraculous things that Jesus did for them. You know... In the same way, we find ourselves, I found myself oftentimes trying to revert back to where I was. I want to explain the things of God through the things I understand here in this world. I've tried to uh, explain away some of the things that have happened to me and that have seemed miraculous. And I have tried to explain them in a way that doesn't make me sound like one of those people that, that you know, talk about miracles. Uh, but the truth is that if we don't embrace that God's supernatural, that God is supernatural in nature... It will always leave us wanting for more. You know, and just as Jesus did back then with his disciples, Jesus is still doing miracles one person at a time nowadays. Uh, What I see is so many modern-day disciples who choose to believe in a supernatural God and, it, you know, God uses them in a way that it is, all, it is also supernatural. They end up doing extraordinary things, even though they're ordinary people like you and I. The other day, I went to Barnes & Noble. I wanted to find some read about missions, and I wanted to, um, you know, learn more about what the Lord is doing in Africa. And, you know, as we were discerning what we're going to do here as a story, as a community, to support you know, missions abroad, and I landed into this little book, and, you know, it was one of those cute cover books, and I was like, this is gonna be a great read, and then I sit down, and I start reading this book. It's called Kisses from Katie. It's about this 18-year-old that decided to do mission work in Africa. I was like, this is gonna be so moving and touching, but what I encountered in that book was actually this powerful account of the way in which God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things through his supernatural power, you know, this girl was a regular teenager living in Nashville, an 18-year-old. You know, she had everything she could ever have a, a, a girl could dream of. She had this cute yellow car. He had this cute boyfriend. She, her parents said, like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to pay for, for your school wherever you go. It doesn't matter. We'll pay for you. And, you know, so she had everything going for herself. And then one day she says, then one day I, I decided to really believe in what God wanted me to believe. And it changed her entire world, it performed a miracle within her, and she became a miracle herself. Ended up starting two nonprofits, changing the lives of thousands in Africa, changing the lives of us. Now, when I picked up the book, I was like, this is amazing of what you know, God can do through one person that is willing. She says, Jesus wrecked my life. I had everything this world says is important. Then slowly but surely, I began to realize the truth. I had loved and admired and worshiped Jesus without doing what he said. I actually wanted to do what Jesus said to do. So I quit my life. I no longer have all the things the world says are important, but I have everything I know is important. I have joy and a peace that are unimaginable and can come only from a place that is better than this earth. I cannot fathom being happier. Jesus wrecked my life, shattered it to pieces, and put it back together more beautifully. Now, I got to clarify, guys. I'm not asking you all to move to Africa. Like, I'm not asking you to, like, pack your bags and go to Africa tomorrow. That is not about that. What I am saying is that I am inviting you to remember that God moves in extraordinary ways through ordinary ordinary people like you and I. That God can do things that are impossible through our lives. I myself, I can tell you, um, even though I shy away sometimes from talking about miracles, I can tell you that in my journey up to now, God has intervened in powerful, miraculous ways. And with the person that I see today, I can even recognize the person that I used to be I can even recognize that Gio that had resentment and anger issues, and that Gio that was, you know, that didn't want to really go outside of my comfort zone to help anybody. I cannot recognize that person, and it's because of the intervention that God has done in my heart to transform my life, to make me a new person, to do a miracle in my soul, and to not let me go back to the person I used to be, and God wants you to be that person today, so my hope is that you will hear that calling. To get out of your comfort zone. To not depend only on the things that you can see, touch, or hear. And to invite God to do something that is beyond what we can comprehend. And that invitation is yours today. God continues to call ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God continues to call us today. And God continues to do the greatest miracle of all, which is changing our hearts. So as we pray today, I invite you to recommit to let God come into your heart again and to do a miracle in your own life. Amen? Let's pray. God, come to our hearts. Help us, Father, to answer the calling that you're making to our lives, God. Help us to follow you. Help us to... Allow you to come into those areas that we guard so tightly sometimes, but that you want us to change, that you want us to get rid of. Allow us today, God, to invite your spirit and to let your spirit come and use us in powerful ways to transform your world. That we may not forget, God, that you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Use the disciples back then, and you continue to use modern day disciples today to proclaim your word, to proclaim your love. God, we are grateful for your presence in this place, and we pray in your holy name. Amen.